Amen. Amen. Would y'all give them a hand? That was incredible. That's incredible. And that, that idea, this, this scandal of grace, that word right there, grace, if you define that, um, it means undeserved favor or gift. Undeserved favor or gift. Not like you don't deserve that. That's not what that means. It simply means that you cannot earn it. You cannot purchase it. You can't work for it enough. And I know that sounds backwards because everything here on earth and in life is if you work hard enough, you'll get it. Yes and amen to that. That's amazing. But guess what? The greatest thing you could possibly get is a gift. You can't work for it. You can't earn it. It is a, it is a free gift that is given to you. Do you accept? And that gift is salvation. God has, uh, God has paid for our sins by Jesus on the cross as our substitute. And through that, that is a free gift of eternal life. But it's not just, hey, you're saved and wait till heaven because that'll be cool. It's uh, once you are saved, yes, you will be in heaven whenever you die. But along the way, God wants to live life with you every single day. And he sends his Holy Spirit. In the Bible, he calls him a helper to live life with you every single day. So if we haven't met, my name is Ryan Parker. I am the middle school pastor here at Champion Forest. I'm very excited uh, that you're here with us tonight. Um, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. So last week we started a new series, uh, and it's called Foundations because I'm not very creative with names. So that's what we're rolling with. I think everybody's cool with that. Um, so today is week two. Last week we talked about what? Trinity, right, basic stuff, you know, stuff everybody gets, the Trinity, right? So everybody understands the Trinity with 100% comprehension, and we're all good to go. No, no, not really. It's one of those things we're never going to fully know, and that's okay, right? That is okay, right? Because we are limited beings. He is unlimited. We are finite. He is infinite, and um, it's just one of those things we're not going to fully know, but we can still pursue that knowledge because that is another way that we can fall in love with him. So today, we're going to look at... Um, why should we believe the Bible? That's the title I came up with. Uh, there was another title with, with lengthy words, but it basically meant, why should I believe the Bible? So before we started diving into the Bible, and well, this is what the Bible says, right? This is what the Bible says. A hundred years ago, that had a lot of weight to it. Today, unfortunately, you say that out um, just... Uh, say on the streets, you say that out on the street, you say that just out, just like hanging with people, you're like, well, the Bible says, and they go, I don't believe in the Bible, right? hundred years ago, that didn't happen, but today that happens. Hey, that's cool, man. That drives me more to learn about the Bible, because now we have to have that conversation, right? And so if you can kind of bridge that gap on why we should believe the Bible, why the Bible is true, that's going to make them go, hmm, okay, I respect that. I respect that. And they're going to look into that a little bit more. So I have, um, uh, I have a little acronym that's going to be able to help us a little bit um, on, on, on why we should believe the Bible. But uh, the, the, the reason we're going to get into that is that we're going to see if this works again. We're going to see right here. Um, no, good. This is going good. Right there. Yep. Cool. Um, Cool. There we go. Hey. Okay, cool. The Bible is the most read book of all time. It's the best-selling book of all time. It's the most quoted book of all time, and, and I found this one. Uh, it's also the most stolen book in history, right, which is kind of cool. Um, 
I mean, that's like, uh, I, I taught Bible at, uh, at a local school this year, and I started out the year with X amount of Bibles, and when I left, there were some missing, and I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> like, somebody that didn't have a Bible took a Bible home, and that's amazing, or they gave it to somebody else. That's a really good problem to have. Um, so if it's the most read, best-selling, most quoted, and even most stolen book in the world, in history of mankind, we should probably learn a little about it, even if you're not about it, right? Like if you call yourself a smart person and maybe you, you, maybe you haven't made that decision to, to make Jesus the Lord of your life, uh, if you call yourself smart, then you should probably know about the most read, best-selling, most quoted, and most stolen book in history. Just saying, right? That might help your knowledge a little bit. Um, and, and, and the thing about this is going along with the most stolen, it seems like every generation has tried to disprove or kind of get rid of the Bible, but we still have it. Like throughout the years, the thousands of years that we've had it, uh, people have tried to get rid of it, disprove it, say it's wrong, and yet we still have it in our hands today. An example of that is this guy right here. His name's Diocletian. Diocletian. There he is. Uh, that's an actual shot. Uh, the rest of his body's uh, green screened. Uh, so from year 303 to 311, Diocletian... Uh, our boy Diocletian here, he tried to destroy all manuscripts and books of Christianity. He's like, I don't like this. We're going to get rid of it, right? He just tried to get rid of it. Do you know why? The Romans were pretty much cool with whatever religion you liked. They're like, cool, you worship that guy? Cool, as long as you pay taxes. And as long as you throw in a little emperor worship in there too, you can do that. The Christians were the only ones that were like, nope. The only ones of all the religions out there, any, ones, any religion you can think of, the only ones that said, I'm not bowing down to that emperor because he's just a man. I serve the one true God. The only ones that did that were the Christians. And so he got mad at that. He got mad at that. So he was like, I'm going to get rid of everything, uh, any books, manuscripts, anything like that that have to do with Christianity. We're getting rid of it. But here's the thing. Even if even if this guy, Diocletian, he succeeded, it still would not have destroyed um, everything, or everything that Christianity has because here's the deal. Um, you could look at all of the early church fathers and um, you could look at the early church fathers as just the guys right after Jesus uh, and just from all of their writings. So not even using the Bible, but just from their writings, you could completely reconstruct the entire New Testament Minus 11 verses <laughs> without using the Bible. Just all the books they wrote, the letters they wrote, and every time they quoted the Bible, you can gather around all of their quotations and remake the New Testament. Minus 11 verses. That's quoted, they quoted the New Testament 36,289 times. That's a ton. That is a ton. So why is this important? If the Bible really contains the words of God, then it's factual. This clicker's awesome, man. Then it's factual and it's not opinion. Like if it is truth, then we have to do something with it. No, you don't have to believe it, but just know that you're going against truth. If we can be real. No, you don't have to believe it. That's your choice, but just know that you're going against truth. If you roll like that, right? Okay, so the first thing, so tonight we're going to talk about, so when we think of why should we believe the Bible, I have an acronym 
uh, because those are super easy to remember, and it's Dean, D-E-A-N, Dean. Uh, and the first one stands for documents. The first one stands for documents, okay? Uh, and the Bible has more manuscripts than any other, um, I don't think this is working. I think they're just looking to see when I click. There we go. Uh, the Bible has more manuscripts than any other historical classical work ever. What's a manuscript? A manuscript is a handwritten copy of the original text. It's a handwritten copy of the original text. Okay, so we have 5,700 of these manuscripts in the original text. Sorry, in the original Greek. How much is that? Let's just look at the charts here. Let's look at the charts. We have the New Testament, and we have a few other guys writing here. Homer, not Homer Simpson. Homer, he wrote the Iliad a long time ago. Um, So we have exactly 5,686 manuscripts. That's copies of the original. That's just in the original Greek, okay? Just in the original Greek that it was written in. Look down here to Plato, all right? Look down here to Plato. That's not the stuff that you played with and then ate because it kind of smelled good and tasted good, but you didn't tell your friends about that. That's talking about the dude Plato. We quote him like he's the smartest guy ever. We have seven copies, seven copies, 5,700 of the New Testament just in the original Greek. That's not to go along with the other languages. The other languages that we have uh, are going to be like Syriac, Coptic, uh, Armenian. Those are 24,000 manuscripts in total, up to Plato's seven. And yet we question the Bible, not Plato. I don't know. Here's also another statistic. Here's a good chart for us right here. This is the time gap in years between the original writings, right? Literally coming off of Paul's pen and ink, his little feather pen. And the first surviving copies. That doesn't mean it's the first time it was copied. It means the ones we have now, 2,000 years later. The gap in time is 25 years. And you're going, oh my gosh, 25 years. Um, If we're going to question that, we better question all these other guys. Caesar, that's what the salad's named after in a bad late 90s haircut. Caesar, there's our Plato again. There's our boy Homer. All of these guys right here, we're talking... Over a thousand years between the original and the copy, and we don't question it. 25 years for the Bible, everybody freaks out. <laughs> What's up with that? Right? So we're, we're just looking at facts right now. All we're doing is looking at facts. Okay? Um, and so, and the way it was copied down, it wasn't kind of like, kind of like you copy your friend's homework. You're like, yeah, that's cool. And you kind of write. I was a teacher. So, so kids would write to where you couldn't read it. And I just like crumpled it up and threw it away. I never got your homework, right? And, and it's not like they were copying down answers or what, they're, what they think their friends wrote. They're copying down Holy Scripture. They're copying down the words of God. And so what they would do in the original text, it was actually, they would count each letter on the page. And if it didn't add up correctly, they had a system, they threw the whole thing out. Because it was the word of God and they didn't want anybody to get a hold of that and and be strayed wrong. They threw it all out and they started over, right? I mean, they just started over, right? So it was a very, very delicate process and it was was handled. It was, I mean, it was the highest of highs uh, uh, as far as respected and something to do. So that's, D stands for documents. Uh, E is the next one and that stands for embarrassing, for embarrassing fact. Wait. 
One of your proofs of the New Testament being legit is that it has embarrassing stuff. Yeah, it has a lot of embarrassing stuff. Here's just a few examples. Here's the first one. The disciples were dim-witted. That's an old people way of saying they were dumb. Uh, and that's how it was put in a book. So that's how I put it here. They were dim-witted. Right? That hasn't been said in like 60 years now that I just say it out loud. Um, they were dumb. There's a point in the Bible to where Jesus, he says, how did Jesus usually talk? How did he, what did he usually use? Parables, right? Jesus would be telling his parables and the disciples are kind of like, yeah. And then finally they're like, um, we don't know what that means. And Jesus turns around and he goes, seriously? I've been telling parables this whole time and you have no idea what I'm saying. And they're like, Mm-mm. right? <laughs> I mean, there, there, there's, a, there's a time in, to where even the disciples, the people that walked with them, they didn't fully understand and I'll tell you why I'm telling these things in just a second. Here's the second one right here, uncaring. Um, when Jesus is about to go to the cross, the night before he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, it is the most crucial hour of his life. He is about to go die for the sins of the world, NBD, right? And he asks his friends, hey, could you stay up with me and pray? They're all knocked out. They're all just sleeping. They're like, yeah, man, it's cool. Glad you're, glad you're dying for the sins of the world, but I'm pretty tired, Right? And he wakes him up. He's like, are y'all serious? They fell asleep on Jesus in his most, uh, in his time of need. Here's number three. They were rebuked. They were rebuked. Um, and basically what happened there is there's a few examples. One of them, um, here's one. Jesus called Peter Satan. Like, can you imagine if you're hanging with Jesus, you say something, and he's like, you're Satan. It's like. How do you bounce back from that, right? Like, how do you, how do you, I don't know. Like, I don't know how you would bounce back from that. Like, anything you say, someone would be like, dude, Jesus called you Satan one time, so <laughs> it doesn't matter what you say, right? Uh, he wasn't actually calling Peter Satan, but what he said, he was saying that was as if your words were coming from Satan is what he was saying there. But even so, Paul calls Peter out in front of everybody for because Peter was being a hypocrite, Right? It's another embarrassing thing, and I'll tell you why I'm telling you these things in just a second. Number four, uh, they were cowards. How about all of the disciples but one run and hide when uh, Jesus is crucified? We're never going to leave you. You're awesome. We're going to start this new thing. Jesus goes to the cross. Everybody gone. Like, just gone, right? Except for one, right? Number five, they are doubters, right? They're doubters. Um, they're, they're, they're doubtful that he'll die, right? They, they're, they're doubtful that he would rise from the dead because that's naturally impossible, right? And some were even doubtful after seeing him alive, like Thomas, right? They see him right in front of them, and they're like, I don't know, man, this can't be real. It's right in front of you, right? So they even admit multiple times that they doubted Jesus. Here's number six, um, would be the, the women testimonies. Now, I have to explain this because it's 2016. Back then, during that time, uh, back then, during that time, uh, women's testimonies or their words did not hold up in a court of law. So, to give you an example, if, if a woman saw uh, someone kill somebody else and they're like, yeah, bring her, bring her, put her up on the stand, she saw him kill him, it wouldn't count. They'd go, yeah, but that's a woman. It's, it was just the way of the world back then. Thank God it's not like that anymore. And so um, who were the first people to see the empty tomb? 
Yep. Don't you think if the disciples were making up this story, we're like, yeah, I know they saw it, but nobody's going to believe that. So we're just going to tell them we saw it. Nobody's going to know. What about being dim-witted? Uh, yeah, let's, uh, if we're making up the story, let's leave that part out, right? Uncaring. Well, I don't want to show people that we were uncaring. We want to, you know, we'll make ourselves look a little bit better than that. Rebuked. Not trying to put in there that Jesus called me Satan. Trying to leave that part out, right? The rest of salvation and stuff is left in there. Cowards, doubters, all these other things. If you were making up a story, not that y'all have ever done this before, but if you've done something wrong, you're making up a story, you and your friends kind of got together and you're like, okay, yo, this is our story, okay? You're like, Trey, what did we do? Trey said, no, Trey, what did we do? And everybody's got their story right, right? That's actually how the jury and judges and lawyers know that you're lying is if everybody's uh, stories line exactly up, by the way, just to give you a little heads up. Uh, not that you would ever do that, just hypothetically, right? And so if you're making up a story, like some people say that the Bible's made up. If you're making up a story, you don't include these. And this is just a small list. You don't include things like this. Why would you do that? Why would you embarrass yourself? doesn't make sense. Here's the next one. A, archaeology. It's a big word that means digging up stuff. It's a good way to put it. It's a big word that means digging up stuff. And archaeology, uh, the Bible is filled with um, uh, historically accurate events, people, places, uh, throughout history, skeptics have said, yeah, that place in the Bible, that doesn't exist. That person in the Bible, never heard of them. Uh, that event that happened in the Bible, didn't happen. Uh, so over the years, we've just found out whether uh, meaning to or not meaning to, and we found things by literally digging them up or just run across them to be like, oh my gosh, this is the lost city that was in the Bible. Uh, we've literally found out that people groups have existed that we didn't know about for 2,000, well, I'm sorry, 1,947 years, and then we find them. Here's the example. One day this dude, yeah, one day this dude, he's uh, chilling with the sheep, and uh, he's getting a little bored, so he picks up a rock, and he throws it, and he chunks it, and he's in the desert, and when he chunks this rock, he hears this and he hears glass shatter, and he goes, nope. That shouldn't happen. And so he goes to check out what glass just shattered in the middle of the desert. And he comes across all of these scrolls rolled up in glass. And he doesn't, un he doesn't know it, but it's one of the greatest archaeological discoveries of mankind. It's what's called the Dead Sea Scrolls. And there's a picture of it on the right. It looks like those anthills that they make sometimes because that zoomed out a little bit. Uh, and it didn't look like it that at first. That's, that's because a lot of digging. And what, what we found out is there's actually this people group called the Essenes, uh, and they had all of these scrolls, and they hid them, right? And they've been in a, a cool, damp place, so they've been reserved. Uh, and a part of the Dead Sea Scrolls is called the Great Isaiah Scroll. It's a 24-foot-long scroll. It's all good, though. Uh, all 66 books of Isaiah are in this scroll. It's dated to 100 years B.C. What's B.C. stand for? Before Christ. It's a thousand years older. Let me say that again. It's a thousand years older than any current known manuscripts. I put known in the parentheses because uh, we're still finding stuff. And science is catching up with the Bible, and it's pretty cool. Um, so it's dated 100 years before Christ. The reason that that is a big deal is because there's a lot of things in the book of Isaiah, which is in the Old or the New Testament. Old Testament. Isaiah is in the Old Testament. The reason why this is a big deal is because it says a lot of things that Jesus is going to do. And people said, well, y'all just made that up after Jesus lived. Uh, nope. Then we found this in 1947. 
It was written a hundred years before Jesus. No way anybody could have ever made that up. And it has a ton of prophecies. And it prophecies is uh, Isaiah writing something about someone else in the future or about himself in the future or about God in the future. And then it comes true. That's a prophecy. All right. Um, so the Bible is filled with that. Um, so like I said, it's filled with a lot of um, uh, historically accurate events and peoples and places. Here's the last one. We have D for documents, E for embarrassing facts, A for archaeology, which means digging up stuff, and N is non-Christian sources. Yes, I'm ending this on something not related to the Bible, and uh, it, I'm, I'm using non-Christian sources to prove more of Christianity and prove the Bible. So what we have here um, is what we can do is say, yes, the Bible is truth. But some people are going to go, mm, I don't know. So I'm going to go, okay. Okay. Well, let's see if what the Bible says matches with what stuff outside of the Bible says. Then if those two match up, uh, I don't know where you go from there. Okay, so there's this guy. His name's Josephus. He was a Jewish man that worked for the Romans. I can't find a more anti-Christian thing than that. He was a Jewish man that worked for the Romans. Jews and Romans both did not like Christians. He was both. Like he, he, was, he was a both. He was a package deal there, okay? So if anybody was against Christianity, it would be a Jewish man that worked for the Romans. Okay. Uh, so Josephus... Um, he had these writings, and we'll just look at just one of them real quick. Read this with me right here. At this time, this is in his book, Antiquities of the Jews. It says, at this time, there was a wise man who was called Jesus. This is Josephus writing him. Josephus did not believe that Jesus was God. He was just simply writing down facts, and this is what he said. At this time, there was a wise man who was called Jesus. His conduct was good, and he was known to be virtuous. And many people from among the Jews and other nations became his disciples. Pilate, so there's another person in the Bible that he is uh, uh, proving, Pilate condemned him to be crucified and to die. Bible says that. But those who had become his disciples did not abandon his discipleship. Right? There were disciples after Jesus left. They reported that he appeared to them three days after his crucifixion. That's pretty detailed, right along with what the Bible says. And that he was alive. Accordingly, he was perhaps the Messiah. That just nonchalantly drops, yeah, he might be the savior of the world, right? So even this guy that is a Jewish man, and yes, there were a lot of Jewish people that came uh, to the Christian faith, but man, he's living the lifestyle working for the Romans. This is one of their top dogs. He's living a good lifestyle. He's not trying to leave that. But here we see he's going, yeah, maybe he is the Messiah. Messiah would have been another word for Savior. He's writing that in this book that is now Roman documentation, and he's writing that, right? That would have, that would have stirred up some people right there. Concerning whom the prophets have recounted wonders. So he's even saying, uh, yeah, the Old Testament that I believe in, I, I think they're talking about him. <laughs> this is straight out of this book. You can't make this up. All right, so this is Josephus. This is a non-Christian source, and here's the last one right here. There are, there are 10, I love this stat right here. There are 10 non-Christian sources that mention Jesus within 50, 150 years of Jesus' life, all right? Within 150 years of his life, there are 10 sources, non-Christian, 
that mentioned Jesus. They're like, yeah, he definitely existed. He did great things. One even said, yeah, he might be the savior of the world, right? Caesar, who was on like the money and ruled the known world, was mentioned nine times. I love that God did that. <laughs> like, I love that God did that. He didn't, he didn't make Jesus win by two on that one. He's like, I'm just gonna make him win by one. That's gonna make people mad. So here we have Jesus is mentioned more than the ruler of the then known world. We're talking about an ex-carpenter that is now a wandering teacher is mentioned more than the ruler of the then known world. It's incredible. Oh, that's from the Bible. No, that's actually from people who are against Christianity because they're just writing down facts, because it's, they're just documenting truth. So we have so much evidence, even outside of the Bible, that's proving what the Bible has said for thousands and thousands of years. And there's so much more out there just like that. And so, like I said earlier, if the Bible really does contain truth, then it means something. It's not just something we open up. It's not just something we open up to a page that we've highlighted and written in. We have our coffee mug and we Instagram it, right? And we work like 30 minutes on the filter and like five minutes actually reading it, right? But it's actually something that transforms us. It's something that we read. Sometimes when you read the Bible, it should hit you. It should be like, ooh, right? Not to make you feel bad. It's because God, God's getting you back on that path that he created you for, right? Right, so we have D's for what? D's for what? Documents. E's for what? Embarrassing facts. You can say that, right? Uh, A is for what? Digging up stuff, archaeology. And N is for what? Non-Christian sources. So our boy Dean is going to help us prove why uh, the Bible is true or why we should trust the Bible. We hope that you've enjoyed the message today and that it will be a source of encouragement to you this week. At Champion Forest Baptist Church, we desire to help people make sense out of life through Christ-centered living. And that's because with Christ, we have hope and true satisfaction. The Bible clearly states that all men have offended God by worshiping things He created instead of Him. We have chosen to reject His authority in our life and look for satisfaction in things He created instead of Him, which is ultimately pointless given that He is truly the only thing that can satisfy us completely. He is the perfection of everything we seek. The problem is, though, that once we have sinned against Him by turning to these other things, a gap is created between us, not allowing us to access Him anymore to find this satisfaction. God's character demands that our rebellion be accounted for before He forgives us, and this is the beauty of the message of Jesus. Christ is perfect in every way. He never rebelled against God, and He took upon our punishment on Himself so that we could be reconciled to God and be fully satisfied in Him, gaining eternal life. We need Jesus because without Him we are without hope, both in this life and for eternity. Turn to Christ alone for forgiveness and find satisfaction fully in our great God. Once again, thanks for joining us today, and we hope to see you soon.